This is the Your Church Friends Podcast, and we are back with Season 2. Join us as we sit down with some of our church friends to discuss these topics and more. What is worship? Can I trust God? How should I study my Bible? And popular Christian catchphrases. It's Season 2 of the Your Church Friends Podcast. Our church friends. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, welcome to your church friends podcast. I am Chris. Do I? This is where I. Yeah, this is where you say, "What's up, podcast friends?" I am Matt, and we are here for the after hours show. (laughs) Yeah, this is the after hours show. So we're here. It's like almost eleven o'clock at night, and Mm -hmm. we're gonna record this episode on worship. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, and and obviously Murdoch's not with us, so it's just gonna be me and you going back and forth on. What is worship? So my first question out the gate for you, and I need an honest answer. Yeah. Are you unforeseen kiss or sloppy wet kiss? Oh uh, no, unforeseen. Sloppy wet kiss, that's just, <laughs> just doesn't feel right, you know? To, to do that on stage and sing that, that lyric, it just, I, I couldn't do it with straight face. I'd just die laughing. So. And yeah. are you a father God or daddy God? Come on. <laughs> If I was a volunteer, but I'm on staff, so <laughs> I, did, you know, I had a guy in, in high school that I knew that would say Daddy God during prayers, and it was, it was one of those, it just kind of caught you off guard and like, uh, okay, I mean, it's cool, it's your worship, that's, that's your thing, but I couldn't, I nice. would just be doing it ironically, and it's not, that's not how you Yeah, that's not pray. probably worship, right, if you're doing it ironically? <laughs> not exactly. I heard someone, uh, Boppy, mm-hmm. and I was like, ah, that's too far. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I, I just, I couldn't, not in person. It was like on Instagram or something. Yeah. It was like yeah. someone on a stage doing it. And I was like that. You just, you just can't do that. That's not I mean, the if, way. If that's them, that's, that's cool. That's, that's you, but uh, I couldn't do that. Yeah. That's definitely not me. No. <laughs> so Matt, tell us about yourself and, and why you're here to discuss what is worship. Oh gosh. Uh, once I heard you had Mark Clark on this program, I was like, well, maybe they're ready for someone of my caliber, you know? So, <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the music director here at Calvary. I say music director because worship leader is, is as we're going to talk about, it, it's, it, worship is life. Worship is a lifestyle. It's everything. So I, I do lead the music in that portion of the worship service. Pastor speaking is worship. Everything is worship that we, we do with that. So I, I lead the music in a sense. I lead the band. I've been doing that for uh, since high school here. I've been coming to the church really since first grade. My wife and I uh, left probably around, gosh, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago. I, I got a job at Saddleback as a worship leader down there for a few years. And then basically we found out Ken was coming back to Calvary uh, to be the senior pastor. And me and Jen talked about it and we were like, uh, we wanted to come back and help him just get acclimated to the community. And um, we said, you know, we'll be with you for about a year at Calvary. Uh, just kind of help you uh, transition back in, into, into the Bellflower. And about eight months into that stint is when pastor approached me and was like, and basically asked me to, to come on staff. And I was like, Gosh, it's been like five years since since then. So, yeah, time flies. You know, I've I've been doing worship for for my whole life. Um, again, worship is a lifestyle. Worship, worship is it's not even just a lifestyle. That doesn't even define it well because like what lifestyle? What does that mean? So we'll get more into that in a sec. And you know, as far as why I'm here, I mean, we've been we've been friends for a long time. We met what in college? Yeah, playing Halo. You know, up in the college room at, at church. Yeah, it's still one of my favorite stories to tell about how we first actually hung out together. Yeah. But I'll save that for another day. I don't know if the show's ready for that. Nah, probably not. Even the after-hour show. <laughs> well, this is the after-hour show, it's, so it's I might the, as well yeah. tell the story, right? Nah, that's no, okay. 
But uh, yeah, so we've been friends for a long time. We we did ministry together in, in middle school, and I was friends with you even before you met Justine and became a decent person. So yeah, somewhat um, halfway decent person. <laughs> seriously. So I've been I've been actually dying to do this episode with you since we yeah. started doing the podcast. This yeah. was like one of the things I wanted to do with you and uh, going into worship because yeah, for the entire time I've known you, that this has been your passion. Mm-hmm. You've definitely put your toes into other things in ministry, but it does always seem that this is where God has brought you back. So what is worship? Worship, the way I was defined to me in, in early on when I was uh, started leading, I uh, was Todd Proctor, and he said that uh, worship is a response to God for what he's done, what he is doing, what he's going to do in our lives. And I've, I've always stuck with that def- definition of, of worship. But especially throughout my worship career, what I've come, kind of found out in one of my life verses is from Psalms 51. What defines worship as is worship is obedience. Um, I'm coming. I'm finding that more and more, especially as I'm, I'm as a father now. Basically, Psalms 51, uh, 16, I believe it is, says it's David, and he, he he just had that failure. He just he's coming back and he's crying out to God, and he says he has this profound moment where he says, "What you don't want is just burnt offerings and sacrifices. What you do want is a broken and contrite heart. You want my obedience. Want my, why that's what worship is." It's not just singing. It's not just music. And I've seen that more and more often, especially recently. Uh, I've got two kids. You know, I've got Dylan, who's eight. Uh, Logan, who's five. Logan is, sometimes he's just a pill. And, uh, <laughs> and um, but I love him to death. And I saw this a few months back where we asked him to do something. He wasn't doing it, cleaning up his, whatever the area was. Jen kind of brought the kids together and said, guys, I, look, we asked you to clean this up. You're not doing what we are asking and you know, kind of giving that, that talk and being really stern with them. Well, Logan then ran up to her and gave her a big hug. And I feel like that's, that's in that moment, that's not what she wanted. That's not, we didn't want a hug. We don't want that love. We wanted you to listen, to do what we asked. And I feel like that's what that verse is saying in, in Psalm 51, where sometimes in, in, in worship, we'll have a terrible week. We won't be obedient. We won't listen to God. Won't be in prayer. Won't be in the word. And we'll come to church, but we'll sing a song. And we'll, we'll We'll say, God, I love you so much. You give him that big hug. And it's like, that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for obedience that the, the world will see that obedience and come to know him through that. So that's to me what worship really is. It's not just the music coming and singing a song. That's a reflection. That's that's a response. Yes. But without a, that obedience, because even David, he's not saying don't give sacrifices, don't give burnt offerings. He's saying that's that's not the truth of what God wants. God wants that obedience first. And then the sacrifices come next. So big part of what. Yeah, that's a really good point. I really like that, that it's the obedience. Uh, that's a great story illustration too, because I feel like we do that all the time here in church. It's, yeah, I did whatever I wanted throughout the week. Mm-hmm. I spent no time with you. And then I come here and I'm like singing a song and feeling emotions. And yeah. then like, yeah, that's us just going up and trying to hug God. And he's like, yeah, bro, and- where were you? Where, what have you been doing all week? You know, yeah. like. This isn't that time. This is a time for, for you to reflect on who I am and, and everything like that. So that's a really good point. I, I think obedience is probably, it's the hardest and simplest thing to do. Yep. Because yep. it's just listening. It's yep. just following an instruction, but it's so hard. And, yeah. I, and I think us battling with that, us as people, we battle with that all the time. And I like that you brought that into this worship fold because we can view worship as singing, music, and leave it there. But, you know, 
the Bible is clear that our lifestyle is a worship, how we act, what we do, what we say, that's all in worship. Uh, one of the things that I know, like when you read the Psalms and it talks about when a tree is being a tree, it's worshiping. When like the mm-hmm. wind blows, it's worshiping. It's all doing what God's told it to do. When the sea moves the way or the ocean moves the way it does, everything working and operating in the solar system and, and just all functioning, it's all worship to God. It's just yeah. doing what God has created it to do. But we as people flip that and we think when God tells us to do them, we're the only thing that like kicks against the gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, living with purpose and finding what your purpose is and fulfilling that for God. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. How do we uh, connect worship and obedience together so that we're being obedient and worshiping God? Well, a lot of, a lot of obedience is, is mostly reading scripture and praying to God, making sure that connection to him, because you're his child, you're his, you're, you're his friend, you're his child. The Bible is clear about that. And when we forget that and just go through life and, and don't acknowledge him and don't give him, that's obviously not an obedient life. Christianity is about a relationship with God. That's what the important thing is. So how you keep that relationship, how you, how you show that to others, that's, that's really what obedience is. And that's true worship as that we live out um, that other people will see. For me, relationship and obedience, where I think what's helped me the most is, is that when I start to understand that being obedient isn't a chore, I'm doing it because I love God that that's changed the whole dynamic, right? Like, I, I love God so much, I want to do what he's commanded me to do. And I don't see commands like, do not do this as prohibitors to having another lifestyle. Like, it's, it's the do nots aren't there to be buzzkills. Mm-hmm. They're not like stealing our joy or like buzzkilling to like, hey, don't do this, don't do that, don't get drunk because mm-hmm. I don't want you to have fun. It's more of don't do this because I know where that could take you. I know where that could lead. I know what that could do. So, then it's, I see those things, the do nots and the do's, and I want to follow them because I love him. That's the one thing we've, I like how you brought up the kids. So with us, with Reed and Remy, for us to get them to obey us or listen, one of the things I've told them is, you can tell me you love me all day. That's fine. But if your actions don't show it, if you're not listening to me, you're not cleaning your room like I ask you to, you're not picking up messes around the house, you're not doing your part to, around the house, then you're not showing me you love me. So to show me you love me, just obey and listen. And so that's kind of one area we've worked with it. And that's really how I've tied that in to, to my own faith and my own relationship with God is I've got to love him. And my love should be so much that I desire to obey him. That's one thing that a mentor of mine in high school, Tim, he, he preached this one time and he said that, I think Pastor actually mentioned it this week, something similar, where he said, don't worry about how close to the line you can get. It's like, okay, God says, don't do this. And a lot of times you say, okay, where's that line? Like, okay, is this okay? Is this not okay? Don't worry about where that line is. Worry about how holy you can be. So don't worry about how close to the line or how basically where that line is, but how close to God can you get? But basically, Pastor mentioned that. I think he said something very similar. I was going to touch on that on Sunday. And I always look at it as like a child that wants to go in the street, a two-year-old that wants to play in the street. As adults, we know that's not going to end well. Because they're not paying attention to the traffic. They're not, they don't you know, see what's coming, what's going. That's kind of how we are in life. We're, we want to play in that street. And God's saying, be careful because that's, that's going to lead to trouble. And we say, no, we'll be fine. But you know, we know how that ends. So we, we don't see what God sees. And so we need to be really careful um, about that kind of stuff, where that line is. That is, a, I think, a big thing. 
I know for myself personally, like, I think I've struggled with years of, I'll see how close to that line I could get. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I'm like, oh crap, I went over the line. Like I'm a habitual line crosser. If there's a term, like that's what it is. And it's gotten to the point where like, some people will say like, you're very black and white. And it's like, I've had to make myself that way because dipping in the gray just leads to more dipping in the gray, getting deeper in the gray. And then eventually it's not even gray anymore. You're like straight up in the black. So I've like had to make things just stay over here, Chris. Don't play in the front yard, play in the backyard. It's safer for you. Bring that point in line with worship. We need to be careful that we're not doing things the way the world does. We're not just going with the flow the way the world tells us to go because that's where you get in trouble. So there's a, there's a story in, uh, I think it was Second Chronicles with David and they're bringing the ark back, uh, right? And, and there's that story, I don't know if you've, your listeners know, but when they were carrying it on, on donkeys, the ark started to fall and this guy Uzzah goes to touch it, to steady it. And what happens? He dies, right? God kills him on the spot. And David's like, what, what's going on, God? Like we're trying to bring your ark back and this is how you treat us, you know? So then David stops, goes through the scriptures and the priests, and they, they all uh, kind of go back and read what's going on. And the problem was they weren't doing it correctly. They weren't following God's process in bringing and, and carrying the ark. They were carrying it on donkeys. You know where they got that from? The Philistines. Because mm. they were bringing it back from the Philistines, right? The, the Philistines took the ark and it didn't go well for them. They weren't supposed to have it. And, and so God cursed wherever that ark was. So they finally said, you know what? We don't want any more. And they gave it back to the Jews. They said, you take it back, gave it back to Israel, and they're carrying it back. But they kept it on the donkeys because the Philistines had been carrying it that way. And so David's like, well, that's just easier. Let's just do it that way. So he was doing it the way the world was doing it. And then they realized, no, there's, there's a specific process that God said how he wants it to be carried. And so after they did the research, they went back, they, they worshiped, they sacrificed, and they, uh, then they picked up the way that was supposed to be, I think it was on tent poles or the priest was supposed to carry it, something something like that. And they, then they brought it back to Israel the right way. I think they were worshiping like every few steps, just making sure to give it to God. And so, again, that obedience of hearing, listening to the scriptures and reading the scriptures and not just following the world and just doing what, what feels right, but actually knowing what God has called us to do because there's a, there's a process to that. So, Like something in my head just like lit up when you were talking about that and telling that story that like, have we brought the world into our worship? Mm, mm. You know? Yeah. Like, have we brought, and we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get into that when we come back. But that, that's just kind of like what, what hit me was, has the church today brought the world into our worship? So we'll talk more about that when we come back. This episode of Your Church Friends is brought to you by the 7-Eleven Worship Song. No, not the convenience store. That one worship song where you say the same seven words 11 times. The 7-Eleven Worship Song, repeating the same seven words 11 times for your joy. All right, we're back from our break, and in the middle of our break, and a little bit before as we were talking, I heard this loud thump, and in my head I'm thinking, Matt, why'd you drop something? We're recording. And then I realized it was me. I dropped my phone on the floor. So blame me again. I just... Yeah, I'm the professional here, right? So worship, have we brought worship into the world's philosophy into our own worship, whether, whether we could talk about like our lifestyles. So we've then allowed how we worship, how the world says, or the world's influence to, to structure how we worship God. 
or in just music and worship and how we're playing in general, like what we do for worship and we call like the songs and the music and instruments, have we brought how the world would do it into our church? Because I don't have an answer for that, honestly. I just think it's a good thought that we should really sit back and check, like has has the world influenced how we worship God? Again, that's lifestyle or musically, because I think it kind of has gotten into it all. Yeah, well, well, worship, how we do it now, like the church service, we have songs, we have a message. Um, it's it's not, uh, it's a little different than what the biblical model is. We, we you know, we have, they met at homes, that kind of thing. Um, they had uh, songs, they sang together and so on, but there were, but now we have got like a, a form of process to it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just another way of doing it. I remember when I was in college, I read a book called Emerging Worship and it changed my perspective. I went into a postmodern phase uh, in my uh, career. I kind of still have remnants of it, but um, postmodernism basically you break everything down. You take everything to its, you know, all traditions, you throw it all away and you say like, what is important? What is the base thing that you're trying to trying to get to. I mean, they had, there was examples in this book of worship services where the band and the preacher were in the middle of the room or maybe in the back of the room and the, the audience was facing the, the screen in front of them, but the band's behind them. Like really weird stuff. Like, cause you know, none of that is important. The band isn't important. So when the sing, the, the church comes together and sings in, in corporate worship as, as one body, you know, there's, there's different songs. We have praises, we have hymns. Um, there's, there's difference between those. It kind of goes back to the Reformation, or Reformation is where is like in the 1500s with Luther. Uh, that's kind of where hymns kind of started. To go back to that history, you have uh, you've got the church and everything's in Latin. They didn't they wouldn't uh, translate the Bible in any common tongue. It was actually I think it was treasonous to do, to do so. So you have I think it was William Tyndale uh, who who translated the first uh, Bible into, into the common language, and I think he was burned at the stake or something. He was he was killed for treason and. After that, we had the Luther situation with, with the Reformation where everything started changing and they, and they started singing songs. Uh, some, some rumors have said that they used pub songs or old folk songs and changed the words to, to make some of the familiar hymns we have now. Um, but it was mainly just to teach. It was, it was worship meant to, it was songs meant to teach about God, teach about the scriptures uh, that would sometimes go along with the message and so on. But it wasn't hymns weren't necessarily for worship. It was just for teaching. That's why we have these hymns that are so great. The lyrics are so strong and so like have a lot of theology in them. Whereas nowadays there's more contemporary praises where it's very emotional, very res- responsive. Like God, I love you a, a thousand times. You know, is the bridge. So there's the <laughs> dichotomy of the two types, and we, there's songs in between as well. But both are okay. I think. I think it's just a matter of um, the context. You want to have. You want to have some teaching as well with that scripture. So if, when people come into a worship service, they can learn about God as well as hear the, the congregate sing. But at the same time, you have that, those songs that really you connect with and you really can and say, God, you are a good, good father. And, you know, that's who you are and have the response. But you want to make sure it's not just all emotions like we talked about before. It's not just about feelings. It's about that lifestyle. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where we are nowadays with, with worship. That's how we, at Calvary especially, uh, we want to make sure to have, have both the teaching and the and uh, that response, emotion. So, that growing up Pentecostal, so it's like a little different than like Baptist, right? So, growing up Pentecostal, the whole idea of worship when they presented it to us uh, uh, growing up was this is you are basically going into the Holy of Holies, right? Like, this is you yeah. going before God. Uh, when you talk about the musical singing aspect of it, 
almost a comparison of Moses and the burning bush. Like where you are at is holy ground. You are in the presence of God. You are stepping into there so that then you can take that and go out to your week and continue walking in that obedience because you've had that mm-hmm. presence experience with God. But it, even with that, I felt like it, it's great, but it, it just lacked because every day we should live in that presence of God. Every day we should desire to get into that Holy of Holies. And it shouldn't just be through song and music. Yeah. It should be through what we do and what we say and how we act and prayer and reading our word and spending time with him alone or just pulling over to help someone on the side of the road. Like all that is worship and getting us into God's presence. Because the more we move closer to God, the more we're in his presence. And that's, that's where that obedience comes from. It comes from that reverence of knowing who God is and realizing who he is. Because we can't really even fathom how big he is and how great he is. But, you know, that speaking of the Holy, Holy of Holies, you had these priests who would tie ropes. they tie ropes to the priests. And they actually, before they did that, they had incense, you know, in, in, in that area. And what they did was they, they raised the, the curtain and, and filled the, the Holy of Holies with incense because, they, you know, if, if they saw God's, uh, all of God's glory, they would, they would die. So they wanted to kind of keep, keep it hazy in, in a sense. So, but basically, when the priest went in there, they would tie a rope to him. And I don't know if you know the story, but basically, if if you know, they I think he also had something on in there like a bell, like it was ringing. So if it kind of like ring, ring, and then thud, and then silence for a while, they would know. Oh, you know, he died. He wasn't worthy. He had sin in his life, and they they really had to make sure that they were right with God and they were obedient before they approached the, the holy holy. So. They have to drag the priest out, you know, with the rope, basically. <laughs> and so that, that was very, I'm sure, intimidating. And, and the reverence you'd have for that moment, uh, the reverence for, you'd have for God in that moment, I feel like we, we're missing that here a lot in, in today's culture in, in general. And so without that reverence, that's why we don't have that obedience, because we don't really, we're not seeing God as this big, glory, big, glorious, majestic being. We, we, we just forget who he is sometimes. And so... And imagine that, that, though, man. Oh. In, imagine... In order for us to come into church to worship, yeah, right, we had to be right with our relationship with God, or like you would thud and fall. How different would you walk into this building, right? Like, just think about that. Or would you even attempt to walk into the building? You're like, no, I know what I did this week, or I'm just pretty sure I just cut someone off and gave them the finger on my way here. <laughs> yeah. Would uh, you walk into church with coffee? You know, it's like, oh, like this is great worship. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's I've I've heard of churches that that ban coffee because of that reason where they they. If you have coffee, you almost don't have that reverence. But that's that's a that's a church to church issue. It's not really a huge thing. But uh, it's a great point though. The, yeah. That like yeah, the reverence of God is what what we come into worship, and then leaving knowing that and having experienced that. And, and like for me, what I like about music, and and when you come into the church of worship, is, is that like it is that it, it's almost so like someone who struggles with depression. Like myself, one thing I heard um, someone told me was when when my depression gets loud, my worship gets louder. And Mm -hmm. what it did for me was it sparked the seeing God bigger. And so when I could see God bigger, I kind of get out of that sad shell or that I don't feel like I could function shell. And it makes God bigger than that stuff. And then I can move and operate. And I like what you're tapping into here with this, with this reverence, because it all kind of follows that same play as like when, when, when we really reverence God with words and music, then it should lead us outside to see God in a bigger way that changes our lives yep. and actually moves us more towards obedience. Yep. Man, you're hitting some good stuff here. That I loved that, the carrying the ark thing. I've read that story over and over again. Yeah. And I've always, that, I struggled with that. Like, yeah. why did he die? Yeah, why? 
And I didn't, uh, you know, that's where biblical context comes important because, yeah, they were doing it like the Philistines. So tell me then, what's your philosophy on leading worship? So leading worship, actually, this is a devotional I gave with my team uh, a couple weeks ago. So I'm reading a book about worship. It's called How to Worship a King. And he has this great illustration of, um, well, first he says, the, the greatest worship leader in the Bible, the greatest example is not who you think it's. He, he says it's John the Baptist. And he says, John the Baptist is a guy who had a big crowd in front of him and said, I'm not the guy you're looking for. It's this guy. Don't, you don't look at me. I, you're, you came here to see me, but it's, it's, I'm not the one you're looking for. You're looking for this guy. So and that's just an example of how, of how I'm supposed to lead the church, the congregation in worship. And he gives this illustration of, of a restaurant. And he says, we as worship leaders are like the waiters in a restaurant. Okay. You have this relationship that comes between God and his people. And we are the ones facilitating that meal, that relationship. And that's what our job is to do as worship leaders. You know, when, when we come and, or say you go to the restaurant and your worship and your, sorry, your waiter is flirting with your wife or flirting with your date. That means he's not really going to get a good tip, is he? Like he's, that's not what they're supposed to do. They're not supposed to, you know, get in the way and distract from your relationship. They're supposed to be the ones that are facilitating and making sure you guys have the time to spend together and make sure you guys are having a good time. You can interact and so on. And they, if they, they're funny, that's cool. But it, it, as long as they are making sure that they understand they're not the focus of the attention. It's, it's the, the two that are meeting together. So in that, in leading worship, I'm, I'm pointing to God. I'm saying, you know, give God glory and trying to be that as I'm still playing music, as I'm still playing skillfully, as the Bible calls us to as well, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm not distracting from that relationship between God and, and that experience between God and his people. Justine, actually, she told me, and I was going to bring it up and try to steal your thunder and, and take the illustration before you got there. But it's such a great point yeah. that uh, a lot of times, and I don't think it's just worship leaders. I think we could have pastors who do the same thing. Mm. And I think we could have Christians who do yeah. the same thing that they they're trying to be the show they're trying to get the focal point on themselves instead of drawing that to god i was on a i've have you know about clubhouse part of it so I, i've been into the clubhouse lately and in a bunch of christian podcast groups and stuff like that and met some wonderful people there but one of them was talking about like content and why you're why do you even do a show like why are we even talking about what's what is worship right yeah and uh, for me, the answer was that it's to give God glory. So if my life and whatever I'm doing, whether it's putting out a podcast, whether it's leading worship, whether it's speaking, whether it's greeting at the door, if it's not to give God glory, yep. then I failed. I've missed the objective of what I'm doing. Then I'm just doing it for my alternative motives. And I think a lot of us can be that flirtatious waiter mm-hmm. who's trying to steal that relationship that people are trying to get here. And, and and being someone who actually stands in the audience while you do lead, I can say you do a great job. You don't, you don't, you're not a flirtatious waiter. Okay. Oh, Maybe okay. when the shirts are a little too tight and you're showing oh, off all the buffness, but. <laughs> this guy. But yeah, that's a great point. I, I really do like that. Well, even what you're saying, like, I am one tool in the service of, of worship leading. You don't want all of uh, your listeners, all of the church congregates that are coming and are, are believers and members of the church and hopefully serving, if they're serving, on a Sunday morning, they are also facilitating that worship as well. If they are greeting, if they are being an usher and helping people to their seats and that kind of thing. And so there's, there's not as distractions. 
during the service, if they are helping with the parking, they are all facilitating worship. And they're all being waiters in a sense, or, you know, you could probably tell, make this illustration about all different parts of a restaurant, but the hostess and so on, but you're still facilitating that relationship in some way. So you may not be the one singing, but you're still facilitating worship in your role, whatever that is on a Sunday morning. So the one thing that like sticks out to me the most as we just keep talking about this is that, and I think the whole viewpoint where, where it's all headed towards is just to, to kind of not wrap things up, but kind of get a focal point of everything is that our lifestyle needs to be to glorify God. And when, when we do that, then that's worship. And there are plenty of times I think, um, so the, the altars are like huge throughout the Bible. Like they build altars to sacrifice and do things like that. And I I remember, I think Ken said something about like, is your life altered? Like, so is your life like that sacrifice of obedience and, and all that. And, And that really struck a chord with me when it relates to worship, because that was how they worshiped God. They would build an altar, then make a sacrifice, and that was their act of worship. You know, the, mm-hmm. there wasn't really, I can think of a few times in the Bible where they talk about like singing uh, songs. You know, I, 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 there's when they crossed the Red Sea, Deborah sang a song, and not Deborah, Moses' Miriam sang a song. And then there's like a few other ones. I think when they were in the upstairs, they like sang songs together with Jesus. But mm-hmm. um, that sacrifice was, was their act of worship, that altar was their life of worship. And, and if that altar wasn't built right, or if it wasn't done right, then that worship wasn't right. And, and you could even look at Cain and Abel. What happened to Cain? It's like it wasn't accepted because his worship wasn't right, because his life wasn't right. He tried to come in to God in reverence with his life still being all messed up. And I think a lot of times we do that in church. Where, And, and I like what you're saying about the music isn't worship. It's one facet. Mm-hmm. It's one tool, but the message is worship. The fellowship is worship. It's all worship. Yes. And, and we try to come into that with our life all messed up and all jacked up, which is okay. We should be able to come with jacked up lies, but that shouldn't be the focal point that then detours other people from coming in or detours other people while they're worshiping. So if we're all doing it in obedience, then it is going to be this cool, wonderful thing. And for me, I've been in, uh, at conferences and conferences are cool, especially like worship time, because just hearing everyone singing, it reminds me of like revelations or like when the, yeah. the host of the heavenly army shows up on when Jesus is born and they're like singing glory to God. Like that is that image of what heaven is, right? Just us worshiping God as loud as we can. But can we say our lifestyle is worshiping God as loud as we can? Can I say my life mm-hmm. is doing that? It is that reflection, that same thing. And it, it's not if it's not in obedience. Worship it a lot, and we can kind of end on this, but it's all about remembering who God is. That's that's really what it is about. That's what the Old Testament is. It's all about the Old Testament's pointing towards Jesus, and, and, and then you got the Gospels, and then the New Testament after that is pointing back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus and remembering Him, remembering what He's done. I think we sang a song called Come Thou Fount uh, a few weeks ago, and I explained to the congregation how there's that word in there, the Ebenezer, and not many people know what that means, but it's basically, we, we think of it as like a banner. You know, it's like a, raise your banner, raise, raise your Ebenezer to God. And it really comes from Second Samuel in when they, he built an Ebenezer. It was a stone, it was a stone monument, basically. When they, I don't know how they do it, but they stack stones together. And they would use that to remember what God had done in those moments. You know, maybe there was a big battle, they won, God did a miracle or something. And so they built a stone monument. They called it an Ebenezer. 
And uh, that's that's what worship is. It's a response of what he's done, what he is doing, what he's going to do, but remembering what God has done. And, and again, from that, we get the reverence. From that, we get we comes into the obedience. So hell kind of comes full circle. But that's that's what that's what worship is. That's great, Matt. I really enjoyed this. You know what's funny is I couldn't get that song out of my head for like two weeks. Yeah. And it's probably because you did it here mm-hmm. and I heard it and that it's been stuck um, in my head since then. And I like the explanation of Ebenezer. But yeah, that, that's what it is. It's just remembering who God is. If you're not worshiping, it's probably because you don't know who he is oh, and yeah. you don't know how big he is. Mm-hmm. Or you're just not seeing him work in your life because you're not focused on him. Mm-hmm. But if your lifestyle is worship, it's because you know who your God is. You know how big he is. You remember what he's brought you through. You remember what you've came from. Yeah. And and you move in that. So, man, this was great. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. I was a little nervous. I've never been on, on a podcast before, so. Ah, that's all right. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. We're all working out the kinks. And, and uh, it felt a little bit more because Murdoch was supposed to be here. So I prepped yeah. for Murdoch to do one third of the work here. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. So his, thanks, his Murray, coach. for uh, bailing on us. But uh, oh all right, let's wrap this show up. I am Chris. I'm Matt. And we are your church friends. Thanks for listening.